Welcome to another episode of The Discernible Interviews. Today, I'm particularly excited to talk to this man because he has, well, we're going to look at this interview in three parts. This is TNQ. He, you may know him because he was a member of the Legislative Council, the Upper House in the Victorian Parliament for the uh, Daniel Andrews Labor Party from 2018 onwards. Uh, but also he has a very interesting life. He came here uh, to Australia, I mean, uh, on a boat in the great wave of uh, Vietnamese uh, refugees migrating here, I think in the 80s, we'll find out in a moment. So we'll get to hear about some of his views on current policy, um, how we're treating refugees and so on. But he's actually a physicist. So this is why I'm particularly excited. We're gonna talk about science, his passion for that, um, Hopefully we can get into a bit of quantum physics and he can explode my brain. And then we'll talk about uh, what he's tried to do uh, in his role in parliament, pushing STEM. So, uh, TNQ, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Matt, for giving me the opportunity on Discernible. Well, <laughs> I'm particularly grateful to you because um, uh, not many people in your party like to come on. It's very difficult to get you. And so I was... I was very encouraged to hear when I asked you, do people, do you have to check whether you can come on here or not? You said, no, you're free to, to speak. There's, there's a perception that the Labour Party are very controlling, but... No, no. Um, of course, there's something that I would not get into because outside my expertise and also um, I don't have much of the knowledge about that. Uh, but otherwise, I'm free to talk, even in Parliament. Mm. And of course, I do seek advice uh, if uh, there's a media interview because in order, uh, in order to prepare myself uh, mm. and uh, to get the facts uh, correctly. Okay, so I'm wondering where, where we'll start. They're the three things I want to talk to you about. So the, the refugee story, um, science, and then politics. I suppose politics is the one you don't want to talk about at all, the least. So. <laughs> no, no, I, I can talk about something, yes. Okay, all right. So why, why, don't we start with the, um, why don't we start with your history of coming here and the refugee thing, okay. So, I'm curious, I really want to know how you feel about our current stance towards refugees and the way, you know how we say, if you come by boat, you will never get here. And, and it's not very popular now on uh, Liberal, Labor, obviously the Greens. Australians don't like this hardline attitude towards boat people, I would suggest. Um, there are a few things there. First of all, I came here as a refugee, but not directly by boat. I left Vietnam on the boat, mm. and then I ended up in a refugee camp in Malaysia. Mm. And then the Australian delegation came, and after the interview, they gave me passage, and then they came to Brisbane in 1980, 43 years ago. Oh. So not a direct boat. Some, some Vietnamese did that, but not myself. Okay. Um, now, the second thing is about the refugee policy. I think the previous government, uh, politics aside, I mean, I belong to Labour Party, but uh, looking from a citizen and an Australian point of view, yes. I think um, a bit too harsh on the refugee yeah. uh, because I myself, I am biased because I, I was once a refugee, but yeah. also the contribution for refugees to come to this country and also the obligation, the moral obligation that we have yes. uh, for the refugee, the genuine refugees. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, I think the situation now is uh, changing yeah. with the uh, Albanese government. Yeah. Um, with people coming directly here, as you mentioned, uh, both sides of the party, including the, the, the Greens, yeah. um, the refugee coming here, there are a lot of problems. A lot of people uh, lost their lives yeah. uh, and the people smugglers and all sorts of problems. 
So coming directly to Australia is something that I would not recommend because the the boat trip was very um, challenging and uh, so uh, dangerous. Uh, but uh, Australia, uh, as with other countries, we are a signatory for the Refugee Convention. And we do need people. And people coming, coming from a refugee background or migrant who came to the country. And we've seen Australia for the last few hundred years um, have been uh, built by migrants, by refugees. And people came here, work very hard. Um, I can take example from my own community, the Vietnamese. I've been here more than 40 years, the first arrived here as a refugee in 1975 with the phone of Saigon. Mm. Um, some came here directly, uh, some came here via refugee camp, and the contribution uh, for the first generation uh, have been recognized, and uh, rightly so. Mm. People work very hard to build their life to, uh, uh, because they had, uh, have had the opportunities that, that they couldn't get uh, in their own country, in the political system that they were in. Mm. Um, and they work whatever kind of work, two jobs, three jobs, and they built up. And on top of that, particularly for our community, uh, the appreciation and the um, gratefulness we have shown to this country and the people, mm. um, and we, we, we always say that, um, uh, that uh, thanks uh, to the Australian people and the Australian policy, uh, that we um, have been able to be in this country and um, to choose a life with freedom, with democracy, and to contribute. So and now you see that the generation coming up, and that is not uniquely for the Vietnamese though. Yes. Uh, it's, it's mainly now we talk about Ukrainian, yeah. with that most recently, we talk about the Haraza people from Afghanistan and from other parts of the world, from Af Africa. Um, there may be some of the initial integration problem, but uh, because of different culture, different languages, but uh, eventually we see that um, the contribution cannot be uh, not recognized. What, that um, troubles me that I, I grew up you know, I'm a half Asian, half Kiwi, and I grew up with a lot of Vietnamese people in Bankstown in Sydney. Mm -hmm. And the 70s and 80s migration of Vietnamese people was very um, applauded and, and welcomed. It was very positive. But then when it came to the, the boat people, shall we say, of the, of the 2000, you know, the Howard government, we will decide who comes here in the circumstances in which they come, and then the Scott Morrison turning back the boats and all of that. Boat people kind of took a, it became a negative thing. And suddenly, if you were that, they were like not equal. All of a sudden, I find that quite troubling. Do you have any idea why we got so negative towards boat people? First of all, the Vietnamese wave of refugee coming here in the seventies, seventy-five onwards, was the first non-white, thanks to the abolition of the white-only policy. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that was by. The government, Labour government at the time, and then Malcolm Fraser was the Liberal who uh, implemented that. Yeah. Yeah. And the contribution, uh, particularly at that time, uh, mostly a lot of them coming here are refugees from Vietnam uh, because of the fall yes. of Saigon. Yes. And um, I have to say that uh, that there, are, there were problems, of course, uh, yeah. but um, been overall a positive contribution yeah. and. Uh, 
a welcome experience for the Australian. Yes. And then later on, it's more the politics and the scaremongering, I, I would say, with the um, Howard government. And also, it's also true that people came here and pay, and a lot of a lot of them lost their lives at sea. Yeah. And uh, and also among those at the t later at the time, um, they are non-genuine refugee as well. Um, what is what is that? What's a non-genuine refugee? It's, it's, more economic uh, refugees uh, in the sense that they seek better life. But uh, um, I take as we give you an example of the Vietnam situation. Mm -hmm. After seventy-five, hundreds of thousand people were uh, because of the war. I mean, a lot of people was conscripted and either working, uh, joining the um, the army, the military, or in the government of the south. Mm. And after the fall, there are a lot of revenge going on. Um, those people directly involved were put in so-called re-education camp mm -hmm. without any sentencing, without any terms. Mm -hmm. And they only released at the uh, pleasure of the government. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, initially they called, okay, prepare food, particularly Vietnam prisoners who have to uh, have their own food or the family supply that mm -hmm. for three days. And then it turned out, in my case, of my uncle for 13 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So a, a lot of uh, revenging and oppression. And that those for those people who are sent to re-education camp, so-called. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And their families at home was discriminated against. Their house is being taken. They sent to the new uh, economy zones without any support, um, not even a hut. And uh, the children, including in my case, for example, are uh, discriminated, discriminated against in terms of education. Um, you cannot get into good education or public, even high school, uh, because of your background. And uh, university entrance, uh, up to an exam, like in many other Asian countries, um, academic is only a small consideration. Um, people look at your, your history. Right. And it went for, in some cases, for three generations. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly if you, some people apply to be party membership with own associated privileges and so on, three generations. In my own family, my uncle, um, when the country was divided in 1954 um, into North Vietnam and South Vietnam, my father came south yeah. by himself yeah. and all his family still in the north. And because of that, his family in the north had a black mark in the in the history of the family. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the uncle um, got they got married, and one of the uncle's wife uh, applied for party memberships. And as a condition, she divorced my uncle in order oh. to have a clean history. So those, those kind of thing, I would say, um, genuine refugee they discriminated. Uh, discriminated against their, themselves, yeah. their families, their children, and, um, and so, even in some cases um, intern or in prison, in re-education re camp. Um, so those are, I would say, genuine refu refugees. Yes. And also those people, a lot of them, like my parents, uh, fought uh, um, for South Vietnam alongside with the Allies 
including Australian, yeah. the Kiwis, yeah. the American, of course. Mm. And there's some obligation. Just like now when we left Afghanistan, uh, we do have obligation mm. to look after and take care of those people who risk their life to support us uh, as interpreters, as a support worker or whatever roles they did during the war, uh, the involvement of Australians in Afghanistan. So those people are genuine refugees. Yeah. Um, so that's left. genuine, but if yeah. we look at non-genuine, you, you talked about economic migrants. Yep. Uh, how much, because this is the Sky News kind of argument, that yep. they're all or mostly just yeah. skipping safe countries like Malaysia to get here. Yep. What, what do you think about that? First of all, it's very, there's a very blurred line between economic and, and, and genuine, uh, genuine refugee. Uh, when people left, in my case and in, in the examples I just keep uh, giving you, um, they have no future, the children have no future, and in some cases there are a lot of people who may have uh, imprisoned for a long time. Mm. Uh, with the only way to get out of that is to, to leave the country. Mm. Yeah, okay. For economics, a lot of people, I know that is a... Um, an argument used by some people, which is partly true, but uh, a path truth is not the whole truth. <laughs> um, you gave an example of Malaysian. Um, I'm not quite sure about the situation now, but in Malaysia, um, the Chinese background people mm. would not have a chance to go to uh, university and even to get some good uh, government uh, sponsored jobs. Mm. Uh, I don't know what happened now, but uh, yeah. a lot of people then of a Chinese background who could afford that would go overseas. And yes. we've seen that in this country. Yes. Yeah, I'm Malaysian Chinese. Oh, okay. So yeah. there was a you were describing the discrimination in Malaysia where the indigenous Malay people had yeah. all of the access to government sponsored things, but the Malaysian Chinese were pushed out. Yep, yep, yes. yep. So that's the thing I have heard out. Mm. Um, and uh, so for those, uh, it's, it's very uh, loosely defined um, economic refugee. I mean, people always, as a human being, uh, want to seek a better life. Of course. Yep. Um, for themselves, for the children. Yes. And um, some of the people um, just, um, there, there are loopholes everywhere. So just, mm. just want to get to Australia and, um, in the sense that if they left behind, if they still stay in, in their original countries, um, politically they are not discriminated against. Right. Yeah. But um, economically they did not have the chance. Yeah. But it's very difficult to separate the two things together because in, in your case, uh, Malaysian Chinese, yeah. uh, politically people and economically they, they, they link together. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you don't have a chance to get some government-sponsored education, yeah. jobs, then econo economically, um, it's, people suffer. Yeah, okay. But the suffering is not as much as what your family suffered, so that's why we're finding it difficult, difficult to, to say yes. whether it... Yeah. Because there's the honeypot argument, where in Australia we have a very good social safety net and, and, mm. and so on, um, Centrelink, Medicare and all these things. Mm. So at what point can we say to someone, no, you must stay and say, 
KL in Malaysia because it's not Vietnam of the 70s, but it's not Australia, but it's okay. I'm not even sure how to philosophically answer that question. No, um, that is a very difficult question to answer. That's why the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees have a process to go through mm. to determine whether a person is a genuine refugee or not. Mm. And um, if they could not present their case according to certain criteria and um, some of the process that they have to go through, mm. then uh, they would not be granted a refugee status. So that's the first step. Uh, a lot of people in Vietnamese, in Hong Kong camps, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, they have to go, myself, have to go through the process. Um, that's the first step, but even after being recognized as a refugee, doesn't mean that you will be accepted by a third yes. country. Yes. Um, could be America, could be European countries, or could be Australia, mm -hmm. Canadian, uh, Canadian mm -hmm. government, and so on. Leaving the con a country, in our case, is not uh, automatic or easy thing to do. Mm. Uh, I give you one example. We never know how many Vietnamese boat people die at sea. Mm. Okay, um, the estimate could be up to half a million, five hundred thousands. Uh, wow. The boats are not seaworthy, not well prepared for food, even not well prepared for navigation. In my own case, the people who navigated the boat never been at sea before. Thai pirate, I, I, well, happened in the Thai Gulf. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, they robbed the people because when people left the country, they took as much as they could, yes. whatever they had. Yes. Uh, in, uh, could be a gold, could be some other possession and become a very attractive target. Uh, at first, a lot of people get robbed and then it turned out to the woman, yeah. and some women have uh, been adopted yeah. and then saw in a prostitution record. Uh, trafficking, human trafficking. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they raped people and then they sold it. And then later on, so many reports to the UNHCR, HRC, yeah. um, up to robbing and up to raping. Um, they killed, uh, they usually destroy and kill the people to, in order not to leave behind any witnesses. Oh. And and th for those stories, you can see that it's, 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 it's not uh, just like you buy a ticket and go onto the plane. It, you, you leave everything behind, you risk your life, and um, there's no uh, certainty, none at all. Yeah. I mean, it, whether you arrive, whether you recognize a refugee, whether some country will accept you. Yeah. yeah. So So you're on the same page. Sounds like you you're a Labour guy and you're on the same page as the Liberal guy. We don't want to encourage the people smuggling boat business. Not also the Labour policy at the yes. moment. Yep. Yes. At the moment, um, we that obviously up to the Albanese federal government, mm. but uh, it's still a policy not to accept people who came here mm. directly by boat. Mm. Uh, preferably, um, a lot of, there are millions of refugees now in camps mm. all over the world. Mm. And Australia do take people in, but we do have a capacity. Mm. I mean, it's obvious, political or not, mm. it's obvious we, we cannot sustain and, and take um, all the people. Uh, and, um, but the Albanese government is um, 
opening up and allow more refugees to come in, but there is uh, no encouragement for smugglers. Uh, you can see a lot of situation like in Australia, a lot of people killed uh, on the journey here. Mm. In Europe, just a few days ago, mm. tens of people, only one incident, killed in, uh, on a boat from North Africa to Italy. Mm. Um, in that case, it was in that case it was from uh, from Turkey, I think, okay. because people come from the Middle East and then lot on the boat. Mm. Those are very dangerous, and um, we don't want people to uh, to lose their lives uh, that way. So uh, I'm thinking, if we think about our current situation uh, in Victoria, in Australia, you made a very good speech. Well, I thought it was a pretty good speech in response to a parliamentary motion by Tim Quilty, where they made some strong accusations that Victoria, words like dictatorship, communism, you know, this sort of thing. And of course, you've actually lived through that. And we've just been talking about some real horrors. So you made this speech saying this, what the government you're part of, Daniel Andrews government, what we've done to the Victorian people is not the same as, as a dictatorship, not as, as communism. But what I want to go into is we've just talked about a genuine refugee versus a non-genuine refugee and how difficult it is to tell. I know people who, as a result of the lockdowns or the vaccination mandates or whatever, have suffered some, whether they can't work now or whatever, they're now in a minority group. Most of us are, are, are compliant and most of us are vaccinated, but there is a minority group who, whose lives have been affected. And I'm, I feel uncomfortable about that because no, they're not under communism. They're not in a dictatorship, but at the same time, like those economic migrants you mentioned, their lives have been significantly affected. How are we to think about those people and kind of um, determine whether they are genuine or non-genuine suffering because of what we've done to ourselves in Victoria. There are a few things there. First of all, about Tim Wilty and the Lib uh, Democrat Party. Mm. Um, it's, it's not my words. Uh, they declare themselves uh, anarchists. They, mm. they, they said that there is no need for government and so on. Mm. So not surprising that uh, what they say about um, what they have said in the, in the uh, chamber, in the mm. parliament. Back to your question about the suffering of uh, some people. Yes, mm. they are true suffering. There's no deny, uh, denial about that. Uh, it's true. But look at the situation. When the things happen at the uh, uh, beginning of 2020, mm. um, 2019 will happen in, in, in part in China mm. and then spread out and so on. Mm. And what happened in Italy at the time? People, doctors, had to make a decision who to save and who to leave mm. uh, to die. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And we never seen that before. We don't know we did not know what uh, the virus were, how to deal with that and all sort of thing. So we have not just the then Andrews government, mm. the government in Australia and all over the world we have to do something. We mm. cannot let people die at the time. I mean, we see that the India, people run out of wood to cremate bodies. Right. Yeah. So a lot of things uh, had to be done. And I would have said uh, it done uh, in with the um, welfare, with the safety and with the uh, health of the people in 
utmost uh, consideration. Yeah. Right. Of course, people, some people uh, will have to lose their um, personal freedom in right. certain extent. Right. And, but that is, even to me, acceptable in a community. Um, in a community, personal freedom, particularly in our democracy, is important, but we cannot impinge and affect others. We cannot just say that uh, we are um, free to go through the red line and um, uh, create havoc. Huh? The point about communism, a lot of people use communism and said this and that, and none of them, and most of them never lived under communists. We is a democratic uh, country, and Victoria is a democratic state. Mm. Of course, there are measures particularly emergency. Um, I remember when we uh, go through the emergency bill and we sat all together for 25 hours mm. in the upper house to get it through. Mm. And I supported that because I still think it was necessary. If we let loose and then the virus will not be uh, discriminating, mm. and then uh, what would uh, happen to the people? What would happen to the hospital system? What would happen to people's lives? Um, take example, after a long time zero COVID policy in China, mm. and for one reason or another, um, well, not what, yep, yeah. and then they lifted that. Yeah. And how many people die? We don't know, but in terms of hundreds of thousands, particularly old people, because the care, because uh, the vaccines, because of many things. And we, 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 cannot, um, we cannot let it happen. I mean, we could be a little bit more cautious mm. rather than regretful that things could have been done mm. and did not uh, do that so that people now we cannot um, let people die and let the hospital system collapse and so on. So in, we do still have our freedom and our system is democratic. We people don't like the government. They have the chance, which people did which in the have, federal, yeah. 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 And here, yeah. And here as well. Three years federal or four years in the state, in particularly in, in Victoria. Four years, or the state also four years, mostly. Um, so there is always a, a balancing act between two sides. Not, not just in COVID, in everything in life. I mean, I may be too philosophical here, but we talk about uh, push and pull and on sort of yin and yang and so mm. on. Yep. It's but to be clear, I'm not asking for a defense. That's no, 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 I'm not, of, of, yeah. of why we had to do, maybe we went too far. I'm more, that's, I don't want to argue about that, more look at what, where we are now. We're three years on from the speech, almost three years that I saw you give. And I'm wondering if you have any different views now um, because you've presented like a binary of if we didn't do anything, maybe a lot of people would have died and hospitals would have been overwhelmed. But I'm saying, what about... What we've done, what we've done, but now we have some problems. We have some long-term effects of the lockdowns, which we need to deal with. Yes. And we have some people who are still being actively discriminated against in this strange minority, like not, not in healthcare settings. I'm talking about just other people in normal jobs who are still being affected by yep. policies, liberal and labor, you know, in other states. And so I'm, I'm concerned with creating a new minority group. And we're being very kind to the refugees, Vietnamese refugees, but we are not being very kind to the crazy anti-vaxxers? Mm, 
Okay, there are a few things there. We are doing something to recover and uh, to alleviate the problems of the COVID and that we need to take time and we're doing that. Mm. And the economy is coming back and so on. The threat of COVID is not totally um, uh, extinguished yet. I mean, there are new vi uh, vi uh, uh, virus uh, and so on. For those people, differently, I do respect people's choices, but every choice has a consequence. Mm. Okay. Either their belief, either their um, thinking or reasoning, they choose not to do something, mm. fine. And we did not have that in a communist country, particularly Vietnam. Mm. Here we do have that, so mm. that's the difference. People, the, the government or the society, um, respect their point of view and they will have to live with this decision. Mm. Uh, they, but what, what, would, what would you do if say, some people would say that, okay, my freedom is utmost, uh, fine, you decide that, but then you have to respect and protect the, uh, the others uh, in the community. Um, so I, I, I don't see um, any discrimination per se by the definition because that's the consequence you live with. Discrimination is something like my father did mm. and now I have to bear that in, in the communist country because mm. my father, my parents, my mother were in the army in South Vietnam. Mm. Okay. And now it's not my decision, which uh, I do support the South Vietnam and, and all the freedom and the mm. ideology there. But mm. it's, it's not my decision, but then I have to live with that. But now for those people, anti-vaxxer, they may be I would say, as a scientist, misled, mm. and a lot of conspiracy theories mm. about. Uh, but if they choose to believe that, then uh, what can we do? We cannot let loose the virus. Uh, Why? They, but I don't. It's what I don't understand. If an anti, if you, I don't, if you are not vaccinated with me now, and mm. it's not just vaccination. It's any. It's a philosophical question where your freedom impinges on my safety, right? Mm. If you are not vaccinated, I'm not afraid because the tra it doesn't stop transmission. So that's what I mean. I feel like we're entering into now discrimination. No, 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 that, that, that is not quite right. Mm. First of all, if with our vaccination in certain prof profession, in mm. certain jobs mm. are very important. A teacher, a nurses, uh, nurses and doctor, that's in a very vulnerable environment if you're not vaccinated and if, um, a chance of you may be affected. The, the first mm. thing is if you're affected, where would people take you to to the hospital? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a burden on society, yeah. which we prepare to to bear because sure, sure. that uh, member society, sure. everyone has that right sure. in in our society. Sure. And secondly, the virus with those uh, there's there's some environment, there's some people, there's some bodies where the virus could develop and then uh, mutate, mm -hmm. and that will create new problem. Not every, not every profession, not every job uh, have been asked to be vaccinated. Mm. But for those very critical, vulnerable, uh, for the others uh, mm. in, in such environment that uh, it will be safer, and nothing perfect, but it will be safer if that person is vaccinated. And there's a choice if you believe that vaccination is not uh, uh, a, a way to go, then, then, then you you have to live with that consequence. Okay. <clears throat> so when we look at uh, 
the everyone's eyes were on you during the pandemic period. How, what was that like for you having to, what I'm really trying to figure out is how much you're able to speak your own mind when you're part of a political machine and how much they said, no, you, you need, that you, they, they check your speeches. Do they, you know, you must go out and support this. Like how, how, how free or how controlled did you feel during that period to speak your mind? No one checked my speeches and I don't believe that others, but there may be sure. individual, I, I cannot um, uh, talk about those situations which I don't know about. Mm. In a political uh, party, either Labour, Liberal, mm. or the Greens, yeah. we do have different opinions mm. uh, as a family. Mm. Um, the bigger the family is, the more opinions yes. we have. Yep. Yes. Um, our fingers have long and short fingers, so they are always different opinions. And the way to go forward with a political party is uh, we do raise internally, yes. but uh, in the public, when we reach a decision, either we have a unified front yes. or we leave the party, which people did. Some people walk away um, from the party. Like Kashalia and uh, yeah, Kashalia, like some others. Not, not, not just the um, Labour, like Bernie Finn from Liberal. Yes, yeah? yes, he did okay. as well. But, but Liberal are more messy in that they can speak up and still stay. But in Labour, I noticed your party was very, very disciplined. It was very rare to have anyone speak out against the consensus. Um, perhaps not in the public, not many cases, but they, they, there are occasions. For example, talk about the duck hunting season. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Their Labour members in the lower house spoke against that. They, they, publicly? Yeah, publicly, oh. yeah. They do would prefer that duck hunting not going ahead. Mm, mm. And they, they did present a petition mm. uh, for the government to mm. uh, to ban the duck hunting mm. okay and some people would support that and the government uh, policy uh, as recently that they have reduced um, length of time for the uh, for this year duck hunting season mm. so people do talk about that mm -hmm. okay well that's true maybe in the labor party it coming from more up and more of the grassroots movement mm. so they have more discipline maybe I, i'm not a sure. member so i'm yeah, not quite yeah, sure yeah. take one example in the parliament on the floor if people cross the floor for the labor party has been an unwritten uh, understanding that the person who crossed the floor would have to leave the party yeah and that i believe not the case for liberal no, party not, yeah, okay. yeah okay so yes, we more have, discipline. Yeah. yeah, we have more discipline. Yeah, yeah but people right. do do have their own opinions, and inside the party, you may have heard of factions, and to protect their own interest, you have different opinions, um, many things, and uh, I also myself have some very um, robust and uh, different point of view for internal discussion. Yes, but yeah. it sounds like you were never, uh, your belief on how you managed the, the, your party managed the last three years, you were not muzzled. You, what you said is what you meant. Mm. You were free to speak. Yep. Um, now, is, was everyone in, in Labour Party mostly happy with how Victoria was handled this past three years? Or? I wouldn't say so because there are a lot of different opinions inside the party, in the parliament as well as inside the party. Okay. There are many issues, uh, CFA, um, yeah. the volunteers, uh, firefighters, uh, the issue about duck hunting. 
their issues about um, various other things as well. But so the accusation that of, of all Labour parties we've seen, Daniel Andrews is a very strong leader and he keeps a tight lid on the party compared to other Labour. Did you see this or is this not true? It's true that Dan Andrew is a very capable leader, very mm. strong leader. Mm. Uh, and the party is very disciplined. Mm. And we needed that, uh, at least, uh, not least for the uh, pandemic time. Mm. Um, and, and I would say the Labour Party is very disciplined, but uh, people do have very different opinions. I mean, you see infighting and you heard about infighting on newspaper all the time. So with, let me ask about um, specifically a minority group, people who look like us, being voted into the Anglo Boys Club, Peter Carlyle calls it. So Peter Carlyle is the uh, Egyptian... Yep, I, I know him. Yep, at yep, Federal, yep. At Federal for the Labour Party. Yep. He made some pretty big claims. He called it racist. He's saying it's an Anglo Boys Club and I was told to shave my goatee and, and my name is not popular. I'll never go very far in the party. So there's this perception that the traditional party structure uses people who look like us to win the minority vote. But then once we're in, once you're in, they don't let you do anything because you've served your purpose. Is there any truth to this claim that Peter's put up? Um, take the case of Peter Khalil. That's one example where inside a party member says something. Mm. Okay, so that's not just everything is staged or scripted. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. he did talk about racism. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> he did talk about the lack of representation from a cult communities. Mm. Mm. So that's one example. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I was um, pre-selected and went to the parliament and I did my best to contribute. And uh, the fact that I'm not re-elected is not the party decision. Um, so I, I don't understand why uh, your, your question uh, we came in. It's true, very true, that the political representation in politics is not uh, reflecting the composition of society. Mm. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of uh, migrants from other countries, from Asia, from other countries. And it's true that in parliaments throughout the country, even the federal, the percentage of non-white representatives are very mi minute. Mm. It's, it's not uh, nowhere near the representation of the population. Mm. But that is something that being recognized and will take some time. Um, go back, going back one step, uh, first we talk about the gender issue. Right. Okay. And I have to say that I'm proud that um, in Victoria, in government, in parliament, for the Labour Party, yes. the gender issue is much better than any other parties. It's a lot of women. A lot of women. Lot. On the cabinet table, around the cabinet table, more than 50% minister are women. Okay. There's still a long way to go in terms of multicultural background people. Um, but that is something that has been recognized, particularly in Victoria government, and it will take some time to go through. And I would love to see that. Um, that why? why? Because, because representation does not equal competence, purely. That's, so that has been a, an argument being used by some people, but, but people need it um, to, people need to have the opportunity yeah. in terms of pre-selection. Yeah 
um, people with uh, women, gender, yeah. um, uh, multicultural people would need to have the opportunity be selected to some winnable seat rather than a token. Yeah. Okay, that happens in, in all party in liberal, for example. I'm sure um, from do. time to time, there are Asian-looking people like you and mm -hmm. I be selected to a winnable seat in Richmond, mm -hmm. <laughs> in the West. It's just a token. Um, you don't feel like you were treated as a token in your party? I, I never thought about I've been treated as a token. Mm. I have been given a peace selection uh, in 2018 and one. Um, this time, I would prefer to be in a better position. On the ticket. On the yeah, ticket. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that is more, in terms of my own experience and yeah. my own party, yeah. more a internal faction rather than um, race, rather than race, or rather than background. Okay. okay. Uh. I remember in in the Labour Party, uh, there are a lot of um, migrants, uh, background, and refugee yeah. people. Once uh, refugee people in in the uh, party membership. Okay. So when you let's go to your your story of we'll do science last. But your why did you go into politics and did they approach you? And pull you in, or did you go? And why did you choose the Labour Party? Why not Liberal or okay. the Greens? Or uh, a lot of things there. I, I, I have been always uh, interested in politics because I came from Vietnam. Mm. I grew up when in my teen years under mm. communism, mm. and politics then had shown me um, it's influence determine people's lives and death mm. uh, in the communist uh, regime. Mm. And throughout my student years, I involved not directly politics, but more community work, uh, particularly for some newly established at the time, the Vietnamese community. So that explained my interest in politics as an observer, right. as a follower, rather than a participant as a member yes. of, of some party. Yes. And then, um, why liberal uh, the green is very the movement is relatively new uh, compared to the old parties right. like like the labor right. or the liberal right. a lot of vietnamese um, are grateful for the liberal party malcolm fraser who who right. let the uh, people come into the country yes and also the term labor labor is something that the Vietnamese is very careful about because the Communist Vietnam Party, the Vietnamese Communist Party, during the war, long before during the French um, struggle, they changed the name Communist at first, then to Labour. Uh oh. oh okay. So uh -huh. it's, it was a Labour Party for some time in Vietnam. Hmm. So that um, alienated a lot of people in, in, in the community. Um, but for the Labour Party, I have a lot of uh, understanding or agreement with some of the policy, not all. Uh, mm. And it's the same with some of the policy of the Liberal as well. Mm. So, and um, I believe in um, a lot of social things which the Labour Party, I would say, have advocated and implemented. Mm. Uh, I also believe in the 
some of the uh, philosophy and principle of the Liberal Party as well in, in terms of in terms of government not to interfere too much with people's life have to be uh, just a the means to help people in business and life but then the Labour Party has put a lot of uh, work into social issues I was on the uh, deputy chair of the legal and social issues so we have I'm very uh, interested and passionate about many social issues like housing, like um, the right of uh, people who have their record expunged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so those are the things that um, attracted... Is that a contradiction there in the sense that if you agree with some of the liberal principles of a smaller government and... Uh, interfere with people's lives in the minimal way possible. But at the same time, uh, a strong Labour Party ethos is we need to fix certain problems like housing or inequities. And by definition, we need to interfere with the markets and people's lives to achieve positive outcomes. Yes, there are always some interference. And and even the Liberal Party with the housing, for example, with the housing, uh, the previous government of Scott Morrison had some policy uh, which then uh, now been expanded by the Albanese government in terms of helping with the people with the housing. Housing is, is a fundamental right. Uh, so um, they're, not this, uh, they're not contradictory. Um, the government had the uh, power, the government, had the, uh, the government has the means and the, um, the will, if they have the will, they can do something. But then a certain thing that one uh, cannot cannot do everything, um, so have have to uh, have to um, facilitate rather than like a communist country you decide everything. Okay. Uh, uh, well, aren't we in danger of drifting? Whatever party um, Scott uh, Scott Morrison was terrible at this too. But aren't we in danger of drifting towards more and more creeping control? What you towards one degree towards that communist you're from to fix problems. That's my concern. Uh, once again, people don't know much about communism, but I would say that if the government did not do anything, take example housing, hmm. who would do that? The private sector would not do that. Okay. Because the bottom line is profit for the private sector, which right. understandably, because that's a private sector. Right. Um, and the government have the tax money has the uh, obligation and uh, the duty to help the people, particularly that uh, you talk about the minority being affected by COVID. Yep. The government is still helping them. And now with the minority not uh, having housing, who would look after them? If we don't have a uh, Medicare, who, look, who would look after the sick? Mm -hmm. um, some other countries, even a rich country like America, uh, a lot of people, they're not going to see a doctor because they have no insurance. Um, and we have, uh, have that system and that proven to be the case to provide, government should provide the opportunity and the safety net that, that may be lived. And, and that's also the belief of the Liberal Party, I, I, I think so. Mm. Um, we cannot just go ahead and let, leave someone behind and to die. Mm. Um, we would, should, go, should give the people the opportunities. Uh, without the housing, the children will not have a stable home, not house, home, mm -hmm. to develop, to become a good citizen. Mm. And who will then 
bear the consequences of that, the society. So those are the things that nobody else could do that without the government. Yeah. Uh, is it is there potential for I mean governments get it wrong as well. Yes. Right. So Everyone, is there yeah. potential for harm if we increasingly rely on government to mandate standards of workplaces or which which you know has helped improve um, standards for employees or we mandate standards for homes in new constructions we keep on inc trying to increase the welfare of our citizens by by introducing laws and sometimes we get those wrong but we give it if we put too much authority into the government can dictate how to employ someone or how to build a home and they get it wrong that can cause big damage and the thing i'm thinking about is mao mao tried his hardest to help his country out of poverty and he had some success but when he did things like killing all the birds and so on it was a mistake that caused a disproportionate harm because the government was so powerful and so that's why i raise this with you because you were part of a daniel andrews government which i may be wrong here i don't know but i feel like philosophically the labor party would agree more with we can sacrifice some autonomy some freedom and so on as long as we try and achieve a more equitable result, but it doesn't take into account that when you stuff up as a government, you affect millions of us. When I stuff up as a business, I affect my one staff member. Mm -hmm. Nobody can get everything right all the time, mm -hmm. including governments. And anything that taken to the extreme most of the time will have consequences. And so I take the example of the housing mm. or the mandate of a job. Mm. If we go to the other extreme and have no public housing, have no social housing, what would happen? A lot of people, maybe minority in terms of population percentage, but a lot of people would be affected. Mm. The children will be affected and the society would have to bear the consequences of homelessness, of uh, children growing up without opportunity, of uh, law and order issues. So, so anything taken to extreme, I would say not good. Okay. But the, the thing is, just always in government and in politics, you have to choose the right balance. Yes. And not always correct, sure. But if we don't do that, and we could see that the consequences, and if you don't do anything now, yeah. then who would uh, take the responsibility? I understand. Uh, and also in our society, in our Westminster system, mm. they always, um, the courts, if something, I mean, that have happened. Take example of the COVID, people refuse to have vaccination, vaccination that they're right. And people even take the government to court on mm. that. Yeah. Mm. So we have the venue to do that. Sure. So uh, that that the things that we allow in this country, in the communist country, if you don't agree with government, there's nowhere else to go. Sure. The court system is is just a puppet. Sure. Take as about Mao. Okay, of course uh, they want any leader to some extent would like to take the country um, to a better level. Yes. Yep. Yes. Even dictator. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, yes. Yep. Well, maybe they, they, they think too much about themselves with only uh, 
yes. uh, strapping the strap uh, that they have on the wealth and on the villas and on, on the monies and so on. But we, our system allowed uh, for the correction and allowed uh, the venue for appeal. Yeah. And um, as a government or as a people in responsibility, if we see a problem and we see the consequences of leaving the problem unaddressed, yes. then who will take the responsibility? We have to do, do something, not, not just anything. We have to um, balance the situation between the individual rights and the community protection in case of COVID, yes. between the market and the public. Okay, yeah. I understand. Uh, last political question, then let's do science, <laughs> much better topic. Uh, I often ask my political guests to try and steel man the other side. I think you'll like this because you have, you're an intellectual. So I would ask my, you know, David Limbrick and Tim Quilty who have been here, I would ask them, when can libertarianism go wrong? You know, I, I, to try and argue against themselves. So let me ask you, is there anywhere in the, in, in the labor ethos that the style of government of fixing these problems where you see government going too far and you think, like, like the liberals would say, we need to do less in this area? Always um, something that could be taken too far. Robot debt is one example. Okay. That was a coalition sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They give example, not just labor. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> just try to, yeah. just try to argue uh, in, in general. Yeah. Okay. And there is always um, venue for correction. If it's taken too far, then the people will not um, sit still. Okay. Uh, they could appeal to the courts. They could then vote out the government. Yeah. Um, and also internally, there are a lot of voices. Yeah. Um, uh, the bigger the party, the more voices mm. the party has, uh, like Liberal or, or the coalition and, and the Labour. And so they're always, they're always uh, a danger of uh, we do not choose the balance right. But um, they, um, that, 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 the, that the fact in life. and. and and what's an example though? What's an example in Labour where you think they've gone, this, you calm down, they should come back a little bit? doesn't have to be Victoria, any Labour government. Okay, so for example, um, with the long time ago, the, the, the white only policy, yep. we think that people should only come from um, a white background and they, but they can, they could not say that publicly, so they did have some of the process to go through, like language exam. And then and at the exam, at the test, people given very obscure language. Yeah. 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 So, and then how, how could I, Vietnamese, um, only English and Vietnamese could understand Russian or Lithuanian um, or Ukrainian or whatever language. So that those are the kind that um, some we need correction and we did correct that but not not just for the labor but but a lot of things that we evolve with time uh, um i mean i'm, I'm biased that's, that's a difficult it's a difficult uh intellect uh, thought exercise isn't it yeah because i'm asking you to argue against yourself so you know i believe in smaller government but you're giving a good argument why i would be wrong because mm. I would leave people behind. If I was Prime Minister, if I was Daniel Andrews, I'd, I'd probably end up 
and leaving a lot of people behind because I'm not doing the social programs. So I'm asking you, what you know, is there any Western government that you think is too big? Not communism, any Western government like Trudeau, Ardern, Daniel, Albanese, that is too done too much. So it feels like you would you would this chat, it feels like you would be happy if the government's just slowly got bigger and more helpful. No, no, no. Um I'm not I, 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 I'm not saying that I'm happy with the big and bigger government because I believe that the government should be a facilitator and should be uh, able to do things that um, the market or the private sector would not do mm-hmm. because that against their shareholders um, uh, profit and mm-hmm. on the other things that they need to do um, but nothing wrong with that um, mm-hmm. you just say that because they have a different yeah. um, working environment uh, yeah. uh, the um, Uh, without talking about other countries uh, in 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 the Western world, um, now we see that in the um, Western world, the fact that in Australia we have the federal government, uh, Labour, mm. and in Victoria and in most of the states, yeah. uh, except New South Wales. That, no, that, no, Tasmania. Tasmania and, and New South Wales. New South Wales will change. So it will <laughs> just be Tasmania. Should I put my bet on that? <laughs> I'm tempted. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's say something about the social issue that people are concerned about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, people say, uh, we could see that uh, if we let loose and not to take care of the weakest, the most vulnerable in society, mm. then um, the society, we have to pay for it in one form or another. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a defense for labor. Let's move on. Let's go to science. <laughs> um, tell, let's talk about science. So you're a physicist? Yep, I have been. Yes. I... Um, it's been the, the love of my life um, from high school and then when I came here as a refugee in 1980, I came to Brisbane, worked as a laborer in factory, on the farm. Um, I, I got very high mark in Vietnam. Um, in school? In, in school. Yeah. And also uh, I could, when I came here, a lot of people in my situation, um, Vietnamese refugee, who were able to come back to university would choose something that more practical in terms of employment. You did not? I did not. Uh, so people could, uh, some, most of them would choose to do computer science at the yeah. time, very, very popular, yeah. or engineering, mm. um, something that required perhaps less English, mm. but more of the analytical uh, subjects. Mm. But um, I just love it so much. Um, so I chose physics mm. and I did very interesting thing. Um, I did about a few years in Vietnam at the university in Vietnam. I had to uh, go back one step. I talked about discrimination again, so I have to clarify the situation sure, a little sure, bit. Sure. Both of my parents, my, pa- my father was uh, conscripted into the army because of the war. My mother joined the army voluntarily. Woman was not wow. mandated to yeah. go there, but, but yeah. she joined. And she served in the South Vietnam Armed forces for 16 years, oh. about the 20 years war. Okay, oh. so that's her ideology. Yeah. And um, because she also left the north to the south. Okay, yeah, yeah. very anti-communist, my yeah. family. Yeah. And she left the army about 1973, just before, two years before the fall of Saigon. Yes. And when the thing came, 
I did not uh, put that in my history yeah. uh, because my mother, when she left the, the armed forces, she uh, worked uh, and had business. And so, so my history been hidden in a way, mm. apart from my uncles within the in prison that, that cannot be hidden. Mm. Okay. And also my marks were so high in high school that um, um, I, I got in uni. And also I chose physics, which is not very popular courses for the people to, yeah. it's not a privileged course, yeah. it's not, it's the high earning potential. No, yeah. yeah. It's like theoretical. It's theoretical. Yeah. So that aside, so when I came here and then um, I remember the day I came to the door of the Dean of Science at University of Queensland yeah. and knocked at the door I said that I would like to enroll and um, I did few months so I'd like to uh, be enrolled into second years of a honest course yeah. for years. Yeah. He looked at me and said, okay, if you're so sure, then um, we give you exams, which he did. He gave me two months to prepare. So I worked in the factory in James Hardy. And it was a very difficult time because it was a rotating ship works. It not rotate in few months, uh, in, in few weeks. So one week daytime, one week afternoon, and the other week nighttime. Oh, it's, it's difficult. It rotates so fast. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, then the day came and I took six exams, wow. four mathematics and two physics in, uh, in two days, wow. morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon, yeah. just by myself and a supervisor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I did the exams and I never, until this day, know what the result of that. Really? Yep, except they gave me all the credits of the first year to enroll oh, the second well year. That must have been a good result. Yeah, and then um, I got uh, that, and then um, when I finished uh, Queensland University, I got a uh, university gold medal and scholarship to Edinburgh to oh. do my PhD, and my supervisor, Peter Hicks, uh, won a Nobel Prize in 2013. The Hicks particle, if you may have heard about that. I have not, but what, what is your PhD on? Uh, my PhD in uh, theoretical physics, in terms of the um, particle physics in the um, structure of the atomic and nuclear structure. Mm. So when you do a theoretical uh, discipline, you can't experiment really, can you? You can't build a Hadron Collider. So everything you do is just reading, taking those ideas, doing some mathematics and producing a new piece of information, a PhD, and around we go. Yep, um, and the prediction in my, case, in my case, not just only mathematics, but also computational. At the time in Edinburgh, we have a very um, fast and uh, dedicated and specialized computer to do some of the calculation uh, in order to make some prediction and try to uh, theory is we have assumption and then prediction and compare with experiment and if it fits the payment, perfect. If it does not, then you have to go back. And if there's discrepancy, either you change the theory or you modify the theory. So the ultimate thing is the universe, so is the experiment. Uh, a lot of mathematics, a lot of beautiful ideas, a lot of perfect uh, symmetry, beautiful principle. But if it doesn't fit into the universe, didn't fit into reality, then um, it it's away. not physics. Ah. Yeah. It's it, it mathematics. I mean, there are a lot of branches of mathematics. It's so beautiful. 
but uh, it's, it's not physics in the sense that you don't have anything to compare with, to uh, verify with. So what is the value to our world of the, the um, pure, the, what you're doing, the physics, where you're trying to come up with theories and then test them with the universe? What's the point of that? Why can't we do, um, yeah, well, I'll let you answer. Yep. The many, many things. First, since antiquity, uh, we, people have been wondering where we came from, how the universe structure, mm. the earth is flat or not, mm. and all sort of thing. And um, the physics, uh, with the progress of Galileo and all the great minds, uh, Newton and Einstein himself, give us f f some understanding of the universe, some. Okay, we still have a lot of mm. questions we can answer. Mm. Then we also been able to make prediction and advance. And that turned into engineering, that in turn that turned into technology, laser, quantum computing, all sort of things. Without the physics, without the uh, progress and understanding that we have, we would not have the, the world as we have today. So you must have this first before we can engineer GPS or, or lasers. Yes, exactly. Something, sometime, people can discover by yes. accident. Yes, that's yep. what I thought it was. Yep, yep. that's true. Yeah. But then if you know that by accident, if you rub something and then uh, leave something and it fall, that's gravity. Yes. And in the beginning, people think that something that fall would fall faster than the other one. Yes, yeah. yes. That's not the case yes. until Galileo proved that a, um, a feather and a rock would fall at the same time because the feather yeah. was slowly because of air resistance. Yes. yes. So because of that, then you can then move on and make more prediction and make right. more things. Otherwise, uh, thing discovered by accident uh, would not be helpful to uh, give you some more understanding and then prediction and then application. So you, you need to understand the principle in order to apply. And sometimes that is not the end of the story. Right. But then one day you see that your application doesn't work. Yes. Then you have to go back to the principle and then open more. Classical mechanics, everything goes uh, uh, time is absolute. Yes. Uh, uh, you can go faster and faster ever. Yeah. And then one day we found that didn't um, agree with experiment, then came relativity. You nice cannot time. travel faster than the velocity of light in yes. vacuum. Yes. And then we look at the universe, we see that uh, the planets moving around the sun, and we thought the atom would be the same, and then we turn out it's not the case, then we have quantum mechanics. And then quantum mechanics now um, enable us uh, to have uh, many invention, laser, what? CD player. These are based on quantum mechanics? Yes, principles. laser, with the understanding of uh, quantum mechanics. Really? Without quantum mechanics, we don't have laser. Oh. Yeah. Um, MRI in the oh. hospital also by some quantum mechanics and uh, but then that's that is not the end of the story now people are the hard run collider yes. in um, switzerland yes. where, where i have been to they try to discover new physics because yes. some of the theory we have at the moment is so perfect yeah. in the sense that the numerical prediction 
agree with the experiment in one part in trial. Wow, 11 times wrong. No, no. So it could be accurate to that. Oh, to the one. Oh, I see, yeah, I see, okay. I see. In agreement. Very good. It, it's so good. But then that cannot be the end of the um, of the theory. Because yeah. And then they found something new and they try to reconcile it or, or they try to realize the prediction of the theory. That's right. where the Higgs particle come in. Yeah. It's been predicted in the 60s and they only got the Nobel Prize in 2013. Oh, wow, yeah. for 50 years. Yeah. So where are we, how mature is quantum mechanics? If you think classical physics, Einsteinian physics, quantum mechanics, how, how mature is that? Or are we just at the beginning of quantum mechanics? This is very peculiar case. Quantum mechanics were forced upon us by the disagreement with experiment because classical mechanics is so good. Uh, we could predict the movement of the moon, uh, some of the planets and yeah, so on. Yeah. And uh, we have steam engine and yeah. we have mechanical yeah. equipment and everything. And then there's something that didn't agree with that. Uh, I would not go too into that, but there's some of the so-called black body radiation, but we didn't agree with, with classical mechanics. And then some guy just, okay, what if we do by making a an assumption yeah. and then try to see the consequence. Yeah. And the prediction and the consequence agree with experiment. And the assumption until this day, we do, still do not understand mm -hmm. why. People say that we do not understand quantum physics. Quantum physics provide us with a recipe um, to come up with something and then that turned out to be the case in um, application. So that's why a lot of debates is still about, about the quantum mechanics. What does it mean? Even great minds like Einstein never agree with quantum mechanics yes. because uh, there are few assumptions, there are few uh, things that we have to accept in quantum mechanics, like the randomness. When we make an experiment, um, there is a degree of randomness we cannot control. And hence the famous quote by Einstein, God doesn't play dice with the universe. And he thought that, okay, quantum mechanics works fine. He, he could not, and we cannot disagree with that. But what behind it? And so there's still a lot of research about what does it mean? And is there any pre-quantum that we can reconcile with our understanding? Hmm. Uh, at the moment, uh, we do not have a full understanding of that in terms of um, the meaning of it, but in terms of application, in terms of equation, we have a beautiful equation by Schrodinger, and um, all the consequences uh, follow from that. So what do you foresee as the, the next breakthroughs, potential breakthroughs, or what applications are coming in the next you know, 10, 20 years that th because of quantum mechanics? Okay, there are two things that want uh, coming next and what uh, breakthrough uh, may be. So the first part is about quantum computing. Yes. It's something that I'm interested in. I'm, I'm still publishing on that. First, the transistor as we know also quantum mechanics. Yes. But the principle of computing is based on the transistor is uh, more of a, um, not quite at the quantum level yet. And there's a law, well, it's, it's, it's not real law, but 
um, they have hypothesis by Moore, the guy yes. who uh, invented yeah, the Moore's law, yeah. 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 hypothesis, that uh, the number of chips that we, uh, number of transistors we can put on the chip will double every few years. Mm. And then, which means that the dimension will be reduced, reduced. And if we do something too much, then we come to the atomic size. Yes. Yeah. And when we go to the atomic size, more quantumness will come in. So uh, that's why uh, quantum computing was uh, thought about some time ago in the 60s by yeah. Richard Feynman and a few people. Yeah. And when we reach that, that level, then the transistor as we know it will have a different behavior. We have to use quantum mechanics. Oh. And that then people start thinking about the law of using quantum mechanics to do computing. And now we are able to realize to certain size so what the quantum computers? Quantum computers where a bit, in, in calculation, uh, in computers, we talk about a bit zero and one. Mm. And that is another system to represent number. Mm. Uh, we can represent number in decimal, like one, two, three, up to 10. Mm. Uh, and all the system, my binary is only one and zero, mm. it's going on and off. Mm. So either on or either off. Mm. But in quantum world, we can have something not on, not off, mm. and not uh, very weird. That's why we, we, I said we don't understand mm. quantum physics. And with that, so it we call a quantum bit. Mm. So it's something between one and zero. Well, I'm literally speaking here. Something between is very loose. Such but, uncertainty. You can't have that in computing, surely. But that has been applied to uh, and we call qubits. Yeah. But the thing is, that is always in transition. Mm. And when we make the measurement and we get the outcome from a computer, it then turns into one or zero. Mm. But because in the passage in between, it's not one, neither zero, yes. and that opens up a lot of potential and a lot of things to the quantum computation much faster than we do zero and one. How, what kind of magnitude faster? 10 times as fast? No, oh, uh, there are two questions here. Uh, what, what, uh, how much faster and whether it can do something that is not doable by classical oh, computers. Okay, okay. So about fast, about speed, a lot of money put into that because it's so fast in terms of the encryption. Yes. Uh, we, we use our encryption for banking and yes. for communica uh, communication. And with the present encryption algorithm we have, yes. uh, some of them at the military grade yes. could take 10 of thousand years to solve it. 10,000 years to, to, crack to break it, to crack it. Yeah. With the quantum computer, they estimate, it's still theory not realized okay. yet. Okay. Uh, would be in terms of minutes or hours, <laughs> okay. And then, um, so they're talking about the order of magnitude. That's, uh, That's ridiculous. Uh, be million times or whatever, yeah. 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 And um, because of that, so before I talk about the other one, mm. because of that, now there's a branch of research uh, by NASA, by NIST, uh, National Institute of Science and Technology in the US. Mm. They try to find a new encryption so that quantum computer cannot break because quantum computer is looming. Yes. Yep. 
You say looming. Yeah. Looming. 10, is 10, 15 years, 20 years, but not hundreds of years. No, no, no. I, I don't believe so. Yeah. Well, yeah. when you asked, um, prediction is <laughs> a dangerous yeah, thing to go into. But it's the next thing to happen. The next thing. Yeah. And already been realized by IBM, by Google. They have Google. quantum computer? Yes, they have quantum computer in terms of how many qubits they have. Okay. They have hundreds of them. Okay. And we, we need to, to have thousands of them in, in a... Um, we talk about a, um, a normal computer, we have uh, gigabits, yeah. that's a billions of bits. Uh, so uh, quantum computer now is over 100 bits. Okay. 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 So we have IBM, we have Google, we have APRA, we, uh, yeah. the American Secret um, Research. Oh, DARPA. DARPA, DARPA yep, yeah, DARPA. Um, well, and we have private companies. Yes. And in Australia, we have New South Wales, uh, for example, using um, solid state um, to, to try to build quantum computer. And so we do have yeah. in one form or another, right. but, but not to the extent that we can use that to decrypt um, the encryption we have at the moment. Okay, so that's one thing. Yeah. Now the other one is where the quantum computer can solve some problem that in principle mm. cannot be solved by classical computer. Mm. Classical computer based on the principle of uh, a Turing machine, Alan Turing. Okay. Yeah. So I'm uh, only familiar with the Turing test. You're not talking about that. No. Uh, yeah, the same Turing, but different. Oh, different. A Turing yeah. test is more artificial intelligence. Yeah, sure. You have a box. You give the question and the answer whether you can determine that person is human or not. Yes. And that happened with Chat and GPT at the moment. <laughs> uh, I can talk about Chat GPT, but anyway. Uh, because of that, we have. Uh, there is a branch of mathematics in terms of Turing algorithm and, and some of the other um, theorem in mathematics. Mm. That is certain thing that undecidable in the sense that we cannot in principle solve it, yes or no. And that goes back to some very famous theorem by uh, Gödel. Mm. I, I have to say this because it's so beautiful. Mm. At the beginning of the 20th century, 1900, mm. uh, Hubert, great French mathematician, said that it's now the end of mathematics. Now there are only a few questions to be answered, so we have a list of about 20 of them. We say that in um, mathematics, if you have a statement, then you can either say that it's wrong or true. Mm. Uh, for example, 2 plus 2 equals 5 yeah. is a wrong statement. Yeah. Yeah. Two, plus two equal four is the right statement. Yeah. And came a young man in his 20 from Vienna, Gödel, a very peculiar uh, character. He, he starved himself uh, to death later on in his own age. But anyway, he came up with a theory, uh, with a theorem, proven theorem, not a hypothesis, that in mathematics, there are certain statements that cannot be proved right Neither can be proved wrong. Undecidable. Is there a simple example? Or can, can we... Okay, simple example, yes. Um, it's based on a circular uh, self-reference argument. Okay. I'm a liar. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So, am I a liar? Uh, 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 <laughs> you've broken. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, let me explain that. Yeah. When I say I'm a liar, mm. am I a liar? If I'm a liar, what I just said, I'm a liar, is not true. So you're a truth teller. A truth teller. Uh, if I'm a truth teller, 
Then they say that I'm a liar. Which, so it's, it's circular, it's self-reference. Yes. Okay. Right, right. Actually, the proof is based on something circular like that. It's called self-reference. Mm -hmm. And there's a beautiful um, exposition in arts as well mm. by um, Escher. It's uh, with the, the stairs, uh, the, 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 the hand, uh, oh, the hand. The hand. Drawing, himself. drawing himself. So that that the kind of thing that we, if we run into that, uh, there's certain statement that you cannot say that they're right or wrong because it's really self-contradictory. But how can a quantum computing model solve these sorts of statements when there isn't really an answer? It's, it's not quite quite that sort of statement because it may. Okay, this is very controversial. I have to say that because it's based on uh, different principles. Mm. Um, I have to, uh, to say, uh, to declare some conflict of interest here. Mm. I was one of the people who say that quantum physics could solve undecidable problem. Mm. And it is very controversial, mm. very controversial. Mm. Um, it's based on different principles um, because of quantum world, for example, you go from A to B. Mm. In classical, you go this path mm -hmm. or this path mm -hmm. in quantum world because superposition of zero and one, mm. you cannot say which path it go. So yes. there's yes. there's some of the mixing and there's some of the different principle. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, take example. Um, it may be too technical, but but I have to give one example. Mm. Um, Maybe too technical, maybe not. We have a very intelligent audience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, there's a so-called associative um, rule in um, arithmetic. Mm. Arithmetic, one plus one, one times uh, two times two. Mm. So you have two times two plus two. Mm. Two plus two is four. Mm. Times two is eight. Mm -hmm. So you have distributive, namely the two times two plus two equal. Mm. Two times two plus two times two. Mm -hmm. In quantum mechanics, that law is not observed. How can you not observe that law? Yep. Okay. Because then they have to go into. Um, so uh, what the, what does it mean by not uh, being not observed? So two times two plus two is not equal to two plus two. Uh, two times two plus two times two. Okay. Mm. There's a so-called um, quantum mechanics can be embodied in a very simple experiment, only principle in there. You you have light shining to a screen with two slits. And oh, here, yes. yeah, here you have a screen at the end. Yes. And you sign the light to that, and here you have interference, black, yes. white stripes. Yes. So that is so-called interference in light, okay? And in quantum mechanics, you use electron. Electron is um, could be considered as wave light as well. Yeah, yeah. But if you go to, you know that if the electron go to slit A yes. and slit B, yes. if you go slit A and then go to the screen, yes. or go to slit B and go to the screen, you have different pattern. Yes. And if you go to either A or B, then you have different patterns. You yes. have interference. Yes. So that distributive is not observed. So go to A, yes. then screen, or B, then screen just like two plus two, uh, times two plus two times two. Yes. It's different from go to A or B. Yeah. So, so this this famous slit experiment is, is a real experiment, right? It is. Which, it is. which demonstrates the quantum principle that we can't predict. Uh, that the, the logic that we have uh, for certain things is not applicable for the quantum logic. 
Okay. That, because the, the, the result on the back screen appears opposite of what we would have expected. Yep. Yeah. Because if we don't determine which slit it go to, which yeah. part it go to, then the screen has a, a pattern. Yes. If we know it go to A or go to B, yeah. the screen have totally different pattern. Yeah, so I find this so odd because you say if you know, like it's almost, is it, I don't know if this is a correct way of thinking of it. It's like if I, the observer, have something in mind that changes the result, the quantum result. Yep. But if I don't have it in mind, the result changes again. Yep, yep. That, that's the problem with quantum mechanics. That's why I say that we don't understand it because in classical mechanics, we as observer is independent system. Mm. I can look at the table and it doesn't change the table. Mm. In quantum mechanics, you look at the table, you change it. You change the table. Yeah. So the observe, the very act of observing it, change that. From an from an objective third party observation, it has changed or only changed in the mind of me. You know what I mean? Am I just seeing an illusion? You see it, and um, that is um, some people. Uh, there is something I'm still debating on that, but for a physicist like myself, take take electron. If you observe the electron, then the electron will behavior will be crystallized. Mm, mm, mm. And that is something not just in the mind, but agree with some other people. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Whether we live in the holographic world or, or matrix or not, yeah. that, that too yeah. philosophical, philosophical here. Mm. But if we don't observe it, then we don't know, we don't know whether it, um, which part it taken, and we have different behavior. So that's why the very famous Schrodinger cat. Cat in the box. Yes. You don't observe it, you don't know whether the cat alive or dead. Yes. But if you open the box, observe it, it's either still alive or already dead. Yes. So just like when you observe a qubit, yes. either zero or one, yes. if you don't observe it, it can be any state. So then when you have pop psychology garbage like The Secret, you know that book from a long time ago? There's pop psychology um, manifest into existence what you want in the world. And good scientists, this is you know, Oprah style stuff, right? <laughs> good scientists will go, oh, you know, pop psychology rubbish. You know, I'm manifesting a good day or a promotion at work today and I manifested it into being. Not so crazy when you enter into the quantum world. Who knows what's going on? I, I don't know mo much about that. Um, the two things I would want to say. One is uh, science can explain everything, mm. yet uh, maybe never, mm. because what we're talking about is asymptotic mm. to mm. the truth, to the reality. Mm. We may not know the reality at, as it is. Okay. The second thing about that is very interesting. In quantum, we have so-called quantum entanglement. Uh, okay. Yep. Please explain for the. Yep. So you have two things interacting with each other. You take the two things apart, and something happened here. Mm. We affect this one. Affect in quotation. Uh, because they, they, they one's whole system. And um, and that have been verified yeah. uh, by hundreds of uh, kilometers around Geneva Lake or onto satellite. Faster than the speed of light too, right? So it's not a transmission. Not a transmission. There's because, an entanglement. Yeah. Yep, they're called entanglement. Um, it, come out, it comes out of the mathematics. It's, it's, we cannot use that for communication. Yet. faster than the speed of light, yet, yet. but yeah. it does uh, have some of the entanglement between the two. Um, that, that is very technical, but I, I, I would like to say something about that, if, if, you, do, if you have time. I, if you do, please continue. Yeah. I've, I enjoy this. People 
it's, it's very different from what people think. I have two left and right legs. Yes. Okay. So two shoes. So I put uh, randomly one shoe and put in a box and another one in the other box and take it apart. When I open one, I have if it's the left one, then I know it must be the right one. Yes. But it's quantum mechanics, mechanics is more than that. Okay. Okay. Because that, that can be explained classically because yes. one left must be one right. Yes. The problem with quantum mechanics is I put a shoe in one box, I put something in one box, and another entangle in the, another box. Yeah. When I open it, just like I make an experiment, so I can be zero and one, so it could be a shoe or it could be a glove. Hmm. And when I open it, it's a glove, left-hand glove, then it must be right-hand glove on the yeah. one. Yes. But I don't know whether it's a glove or a shoe first. Yes. Because the randomness, yes. uh, we make a measurement, we have zero and one. Yes. So the inherent, the intrinsic randomness that make entanglement so peculiar. So and you can think of left and right, but then you don't know what left shoe or, or left glove. Uh, so just like zero and one. So, so the two together have to be one zero and one one. Yes. Okay. That, that's more precise. You take the two particles apart, yes. uh, qubits apart. Yes. You make measurement and you find one and you know this one's zero. Yes. You don't know before you open this one yes. whether it's zero or one. Yes. So that's why you cannot use that for communication because it's random. How do you know it's random and it's not an, episte an epistemological issue, a, a knowing issue? So a classical, we're all classically minded is easy. It's not random, um, Tian. It's just that you don't know. You're perceiving it as random. And until you open, you discover the truth. And it was the truth all along. Yes. So we're talking about the problem I have with quant understanding quantum mechanics just now. Mm. The problem is when you make measurement, you, you have many pairs like that. Mm. Mm. And you take one pair apart, mm. make measurement zero. Mm. Exactly identical pair created. And you may have one. Yeah. Okay. okay. So proves, you yeah. randomness means... Random is another thing I like to say about. Mm. When people say pick a random number, two is not random. Random is relationship. What? It's relationship. Yeah, no, no, explain it. Yep. So you have a series like two, one, three, yes. two. So you have to talk whether this subsequent number has some pattern that yes. you can predict from yes. the previous yes. preceding yes. numbers. Yes. That's random. Yes. That's random. Yes. So. Um, so the randomness in quantum mechanics is some, some identically prepared system. Yes. You make measurement, yes. you have one result. You do exactly the same thing. You make your measurement, you have a different result. Yes. You may have the same result, you have different result, yes. and then you have a random, so you have a distribution. How many times you have one? How many times you have zero? Yes. So that's called a random. You don't know exact the outcome, but you can predict the probability of its outcome. Yes. Okay, so so you have you have to repeat it. Yes. So it's just like in a series of number. Yes. Um, a, a number by randomness. So that, well, I'm moving a little bit too technical now. But there is a very interesting thing. How can you say that a series number is random? Mm. Okay. There's always a pattern, potentially, right? So that's that's the question. And then there is a theory theory that if you have a, a billion numbers. Mm. Um, Digits, mm. and it's not random if that series can be generated by 10 bits mm. program. Mm. Mm. So the whole thing can be compressed into 10 bits. Mm. So 
the a real random is in order to describe that sequence, that series, you have to use a program as big as the program. No compression. No possible. compression at all. Yeah. yeah. So like pi, is pi random? Pi is not a random because it can be generated. That's why we uh, keep generating. Yes, yes. We keep Digits. generating the digit. It's not repeating. Hmm. There is no repeating, but then hmm. we can generate the next digit. Pi is not a random number. It's tempting to get caught up in this world and be so useless to the real world. But it has um, uh, application and understanding. So we know that certain number is not uh, rational. Rational is like 3 divided by 10. And you, after something, I repeat the whole sequence repeated. Mm -hmm. And pi never you can find the whole sequence repeated. Mm -hmm. But it's not random in the sense that the next sequence is predictable. I understand. It just takes work to, to, to generate that. Yeah. So uh, zooming out, a bigger question. What about the match between quantum mechanics and uh, the human experience? Newtonian physics and classical physics and even Einsteinian physics is um, uh, relatively experienceable. As a human, I understand the apple falling on my head, Newton. I, I understand when they teach me the feather and wind resistance. And I understand that. But when you start to talk about these principles, there's nothing in my daily world where I can connect with an intuitive sense of quantum maths and quantum physics. That's a, that's a, that's a problem. Um, you, you hit that on uh, the nail on the head here. Because our body is macroscopic in a way, um, big enough in mm. a way, in order to uh, we experience macroscopic world, we uh, follow classical physics. Mm. Uh, but then when we go to smaller and smaller um, entity, our classical law doesn't apply there. Mm. So that's where we struggle. Uh, uh, wh why we don't have zero or one? Why we have something in between? We mm. I cannot imagine that. Mm. We have, I'm here or there, but in quantum theory, I could be here or there at the same time. Mm. And I don't know that until I observe. So quantum physics has two parts. One is the... Um, evolution and one is the observation and actually there are two rules for that yeah okay. so that we try to reconcile it with our understanding and that is the difficult uh, difficulty um, it's not only applicable to the things that we invented to uh, the thing that we're working on but also a lot of theory which i don't know whether it's correct or not that our consciousness, our mind, at the deep down level, is quantum effect. Um, so people talking about the quantum mind, where people talk about, take example, um, we understand very well about the forces in nature. There are four forces, um, electromagnetic, weak and strong, uh, they're both nuclear forces, mm. weak and strong, mm. and gravity. Mm. And we're able to, quant um, to put a quantum theory for the electromagnetic and weak and strong forces, mm. but we have failed so spectacularly for the gravity. Really? Yep. Mm. Because of the mathematical inconsistency. Does it make sense? When mm. we put gravity, classical, into quantum world. Um, we have a lot of difficulties there, a lot of inconsistency. The prediction doesn't make sense. Yes. yes. <clears throat> and some people would say that um, 
because of the um, the consciousness, because of the quantum of our mind and so on. Um, if our brain is neurons, and it, in in terms of the connect connection between neurons, we have synapses, and those at the very fine level where quantum physics are applicable because it's very small scale. Um, so who knows consciousness. Quantum may not be right because quantum gravity doesn't work. Uh, who knows, maybe quantum is right, we don't know. And then it's consciousness, our own mind, actually is quantum. This is why I raised earlier that the Oprah-style thing where we would traditionally explain that away with classical physics and you don't understand or you have confirmation bias or observer bias, but we are opening up into a whole new world now where we have to reimagine a lot of our understandings as a society and that will be a very topsy-turvy time. Yep. And that reminds uh, me of the, um, the question you asked earlier, which I had, um, haven't gone into. You said, what is the next few, mm. uh, few, uh, few years and um, whether the theory is right or not? Mm. At the Hadron Collider now at CERN in Switzerland, mm. people use that and try to find new phenomena. Yes. And if there's something newly uh, found or, or could be found, then uh, we have to go back and, and look at our theory. And that's where quantum or uh, um, some of the theory now we have to either modify it or discard it totally, just like classical physics being discarded. What has happened with the Hadron Collider? Has it been confirming or busting theories? There's some new observation lately, and it's surprising is, is the word for it. Um, that doesn't mean that the theory we have at the moment is wrong. Uh, maybe just that we haven't worked out the mathematics, or maybe there's something that um, needs to be modified, the theory itself, or maybe something beyond modification, which means that we have to have a new, totally new theory. Just like quantum physics mm. came into the um, beginning of the 20th century, mm. when we couldn't rec reconcile certain thing with observation, then Max Planck, Planck um, physicist from uh, Germany, out of curiosity, he just postulated, okay, so rather than the waves, like the light wave, or electromagnetic wave is continuous, actually it came into chunk, photons, yeah, yeah. discrete. Yeah. Let's assume that and play the mathematics. Yeah. And lo and behold, it fit a experiment. And he was, the father, and he was the objector. The objector of he his objected own quantum He's physics. He's a real scientist. Yes. I like him. He just make an assumption and come out, oh, beautiful. Um, the consequence fit the experiment beautifully. Mm. But then it doesn't make sense to him. It did not make sense to him. Mm. So he objected against quantum physics. And then later on, people pick up on that. The quantum physics is not one person. We have Max mm. Planck and mm. you have uh, De Bruyne. Um, from Paris, you have uh, he uh, Heisenberg, you have Schrödinger, and mm. many great minds. Mm. Um, different from relativity, only one single person did that, Einstein. Oh, right. Einstein, the one who special and, and general relativity. Single-handedly, he proposed the theory. Yes. He built on yes. mathematics up with the other, yes. but yes. The, uh, the theory came out from himself. But quantum physics, because it's so weird, a lot of people work on that, uh, different ways, and then later on proven to be equivalent. 
How do, to, to finish out this interview, let me ask how all of this affects your life. How do you, your mind seems very open when you come talking about physics and so on. You're good at questioning your own beliefs and so on and, and exploring the weirdness. And yet you also seem quite sure in some of the more cultural things we talk about, refugees, COVID, whatever, government. Does, does your work, has it changed you? Does it affect you? Do you feel like um, there's separate parts to you? Um, when I ask you things like, can you imagine the minds of someone that maybe we don't agree with? Do you find that difficult or hard? Like, how, how does this play in? I don't meet many people with such depth. Most politicians I interview, they just, this is what I think, and then that's it. I, I think that, um, well, um, I, 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 fortunately, I, um, I'm a, a scientist, so you, you need to be open. Otherwise, um, you would not be attracted to the science where yes, it's an open yes, book. Yes, okay, yes. you have to. Uh, well, we're human beings, so we, we we have our limitation. We have our box of thinking. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard to get out of that box. Yes, but the scientists is a little bit more open because they have seen that uh, things turn out to be uh, wrong against their perception, yeah, or assumption. So that, that leads to the openness, uh, that, okay. Uh, and also the background um, from the Oriental philosophy. Oh, yes. By the way, I wrote a book on Oriental philosophy and Western science. What, what is this book called? Oriental philosophy and Western science. In okay. Vietnamese, sorry. It's in Vietnamese? <laughs> yes. Okay, all right. You're comparing. The, so you come from Oriental philosophy background in your... Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, this is the way we brought up in, 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 in Asia. Yeah. So um, I don't believe in... Uh, well, let, let me put it this way. The philosophy like Buddhism, I, I treat it as a philosoph philosophy rather than religion because there's many things in there very philosophical. In the book, I talk about Taoism, not as religion, but more a Tao teaching, the book on uh, yeah. philosophy. Yeah. So there is some unifying principle, but they manifest in opposing sides. They are one, when they go to the extreme, we turn back to the other, like yin and yang right. in, in the circle. Uh, when things to the extreme, we have to come back. And then in the extreme of one thing, already the seat for the other opposite, always there. You look at everything in life, I, I, I think so, okay. Market going up, they always sit, they may sure, go down, sure, sure. and um, everything. Uh, when you, uh, um, so, so that, that shape my thinking. Um, What's beneath that? Is there a religious um, reliance underneath that to something? No, no, there, there's, a, there's a belief that the universe is one under the whole, and there's an underlying principle. Uh. Okay, that, that's why. Um, maybe it's something that I, I, uh, I cherish, like the refugee sure, and sure. the morality. Sure. And, but then at the same time, I can see that in implementation, in manifestation, there are many layers. Okay. But underlying, there is a single principle. And we may not get to that principle, but Ever. we can always, we may not, yeah. may, I, I, I'm not sure, okay. but we doesn't stop us from asymptotically yes. trying to understand it. So just like I mentioned about science, maybe in the universe, the science, we never have the final theory, 
but we have a better and better understanding asymptotically, not, not there, but just like the concept infinity. We never get there, but we asymptotically become, uh, I have more weird uh, understanding and manifestation of infinity. And you think approaching that asymptote is worthwhile? It's worthwhile, yep. Yeah. We as a human being always ask questions. And um, I don't believe anything that closed in the sense that it's there and that's final. Um, but you do, you do have a, a realism in the sense that you do believe there is a foundational truth, yep. shall we call it? There is yep. truth. There, there is a foundational unifying principle it behind exists. this. It yep. yes. Yep. But we don't know it and we may not be able to know it fully. We may not, but it doesn't stop us from trying. And so that's, that would affect how you live your life, that perspective. I, I would think so. Um, I mean, we, as a human being, you and I, we uh, do have, uh, or try to have some self-consistency. Well, We're so messy, <laughs> yeah. humans. But, 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 but that's true. I mean, we change our mind often. Yes. Yeah. We contradict ourselves. We uh, sometimes look back and say that, oh, it wasn't me. <laughs> yes. And in the future, I said, oh, how could I turn out to be that person? Yeah, but, but in a way that we, that's why I said that there are many different levels of manifestation, just like in the book of Tao teaching, there is the Tao. Uh, but then uh, there's a different manifestation of the opposites. And the thing is, uh, we, we have to understand that and we have to manage that. All right, final question. If you can think forward into the future, what is the most exciting thing you see coming and the scariest thing you see coming? Um, and if you want, um, maybe ChatGPT figures into that. But it seems to me there is a, well, you think of your answer. I, I'm a little bit concerned by the way technology is advancing finally beyond us. So ChatGPT is the first thing for me that passed the Turing test. You know how I knew it passed the Turing test? I found myself arguing with it. And I'm a smart guy. I understand. I worked in AI. For, for, I, I understand. I write these. And then I, I'm, I, and I went, I've been arguing with a machine for 30 minutes. It passed the Turing test. I was really angry at it. I'm concerned that technology is going beyond our primitive biological abilities, like we talked about with quantum mechanics. That's what I fear. What do you fear and what are you excited about? Okay. Um, first of all, about artificial intelligence, I have to pick up there. Please. I also did uh, some work on that. I wrote a um, program for neural networks, mm. LSMT, um, long short-term memory, mm. and so on. Um, so there are two levels of um, artificial intelligence that people, the public used to misunderstand or mix them up. Mm. The level of ChatGPT in general is not a general artificial intelligence. That, that some people believe that because of Gödel's theorem or something that we can not say or determine something is true or false. So the general uh, intelligence uh, cannot be replicated by machine. That's one school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, that then lead to the bigger advance advancement of technology and science by themselves. Science and technologies are not good or bad. Um, they are invention, they are implementation, they are facil facil facilitator for things that we want to do. Mm. 
good or bad is as human being. Right. Okay. So what is scary about in the future is a human rather than the technology. Technology can and have been often misused. Atomic energy mm. can be used for great thing, can be used for Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and can be used for, hopefully not, um, could be used for what happening in Europe mm. and in the future, mm. uh, in, in elsewhere. So that that us who decide our use of that, our greed, our ambition, and um, so once again, um, there are two sides mm. of, of things, mm. and maybe more than mm. generalizes two, uh, so that we can easily um, manage. So first, um, in the near future, about technology, I am working on quantum computing myself mm. uh, in the form of quantum computing. Mm. I uh, not just qubits, but also called adiabatic, which is more continuous, but, but not too technical to go into here. Mm. Uh, I could say in the next five to ten years, there will be some breakthrough. At the moment, there are many experiments, many researches, and many efforts to build a quantum computer. Could be the one that using electrons, solid state, just like transistor. Uh, ions, light, photons, superconducting, uh, and so on. And there may be, I believe there will be some breakthrough. Already there are hundreds of qubits already available on Google or IBM, where you can apply time for that and you can program and test it oh, on wow. that. Yeah. Okay. So that's what most excites you? Um, yes, because that in my lifetime. That's great. Yeah, yeah great. That, that's something that I believe that if I live long enough, be young another 10 years, who knows what happened tomorrow. Easy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then with that, um, there's still a lot more uh, advancements that can be made of out of quantum mechanics, like entanglement. Yes. Yep. Yes. It's something that we don't understand. Um, yes. We try to verify that, and that has been verified around in Geneva Lake, 100 kilometers yes. entanglement. Uh, with the Chinese, they uh, do an experiment with satellite on Earth, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. thousands of kilometers away. Um, also advancement in the um, understanding of our body, um, mm. in the control of uh, disease and so on. That's something would be very prominently coming. Mm. Uh, people now can edit the gene uh, using scissors. Uh, yes. yeah. yes. CRISP yeah, used CRISP, to edit yeah. that. Yep. And what, by the way, that has been um, also an offshoot of uh, physics. Physics, yes. yeah, physics come from, it's the fundamental science of everything. And molecular biology actually uh, were first prominently, prominently mentioned by Schrodinger. Oh. Yep. How, when is Schrodinger? How old? How, uh, what years was he in the 19th century? Oh, Schrodinger, well, in the 20th century, 20th century. he became famous with the uh, Schrodinger equation, yeah, sure. physics, and then he wrote a book on, bio, uh, on the um, molecular biology yeah. that led to uh, 
Crick and Watson to discover the structure of DNA. Uh. That all come from physics. And by the way, soon they become the president of Ireland as well. Really? Just, I had no idea. Yeah, it's fascinating. You have many characters in, uh, in physics that... Uh, um, like you. Like... Uh, like. <laughs> Uh, Schrodinger, like uh, Einstein, an so interesting person, and many others. Um, so in terms of uh, understanding and in terms of healthcare, that is very prominent, very important. Now people uh, can edit the genes to, cure, uh, to address certain disease. It, once again, it could be used for, uh, I, I would say, uh, unfit purpose, like to choose a, a design baby, which may be, it's, it's too much a morality, um, ethnic, um, ethnic uh, question to go into here, but well, and there are always two sides. You know? When you can choose the gene, you can edit certain things out of gene, and then you could choose the color, you can choose the intelligence level, oh maybe, and then you may discard some of the lives, which... Uh, Where do you do that now? When we screen for Down syndrome or others? Yes. We're making ethical decisions all the time. Yep, yep, and then that, that, that's one way. So there's an ethical um, branch of philosophy. Mm. Uh, it's a very difficult question, very difficult. Where's the limit? Yes, and even beyond you've presented good use, bad use, I'm not worried about either. Like I said before, I'm worried about mistakes because mistakes are more dangerous because they're done with good intentions. Exactly. With the exactly. approval of your own conscience. But then we cannot avoid mistake. No one knows in, 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 in totality things. Yeah. I mean, who, who, who knows that uh, what, what we do now will have the repercussion or the ripple effect in the future, in, in everything in the future. Well, we know certain things, but not everything. Mm. So... That always the, the correction, I used to talk about extreme coming back and so on, that, that's philosophical. Uh, mm, it's nice. We, we cannot avoid mistake. And some mistakes are good for advancement. Mm. Okay? Mm. Without doing that mistake, without committing that mistake, without making that mistake, we would not advance and we would make bigger mistakes. This is a philosophical question now. Should we have had the failures of communism in the 20th century or not? Because based on that, we're now more aware. Don't do what Mao did. But a lot of people died for us to learn the lesson of Mao. So if I could go in time, maybe I would stop Mao. Not just Mao, Stalin? Oh, Stalin worse. No, yeah. Mao killed more than Stalin. Well, Mao killed indirectly. Um, indirectly, but yeah. more. Stalin yeah. sent people to gulags. Yeah. But anyway, um, Marx... Uh, wrote his uh, thesis mm. in the British uh, Library mm. with good intention. Yeah. It's a quite a beautiful manifesto. Yep. <laughs> I yep. like it. Um, and contains certain truth, uh, mm. but when applied, then uh, people, Lenin put something else into that, and people in power then uh, use that for their own purpose. Yep. yep. So uh, well, let me ask, what most scares you about the future? Any topic? Human. Me too, yeah. yeah. Why, why? Why human? Um, because we are the master of our own destiny. Um, well, everyone is equal, but some is more equal than the others. Okay, mm. So some of the human may become people in power. 
and they can use the uh, ideology, they can use the uh, resources for themselves and um, maybe with some good intention, but that might be too late for human race as a race. Will we even recognize it is my concern. We may not know at the time, that's a problem. We have leaders that we follow blindly. We have leaders that we dare not speak against. We have leaders that uh, maybe good intention, maybe Mao himself, I don't know. I mean, he, he knew that um, certain things might not be wrong, but he believed in the, in the greater yes. destiny, yes. Yes. Um, in the greater destination. So he say that uh, um, the means justify the, um, the uh, end. Ends justify the means, yes. The end justify the means, which I don't believe myself, because I do believe that the journey itself is important, not just the destination. We all, we end up somewhere in the grave. So if I said to you, we need to do this small atrocity to protect the larger group, you would be with a deontological ethic or a virtue ethic, not a consequentialist ethic. You would say uh, we shouldn't because that's wrong. Yep, I agree with that. But then that's their choice. And also atrocity may be too big a word here. We try to help them. We give them opportunity. But we cannot, we cannot, um, we can lead people. I mean, take example, we can lead the horse to the water, but drinking or not. Mm. Uh, but once again, we, not be, we may not be correct. We, we may make a mistake somewhere. So those, those things, we, we have to be in the context. Mm. We cannot take an our context. You cannot take an, um, the, uh, the emperor in the 10th century and put into present-day context mm. and judge them that way. Good point. Yep. It's, it has to be context. I mean, in that situation, with that understanding, with that situation, with that threat at the time, what is the best way at the time, or a good way. I mean, best is very hard to de de define what is mm. best. Mm. And then we, we have to do something, not just anything, but something that according to the situation, the context of the time, is justifiable and also with the good intention. Not everyone did that. I mean, people, some people know that it's bad, knew it was bad, but still committed that. Homicide, to kill the whole race, mm. uh, to uh, get rid of certain race of people. Mm. They knew that, um, I don't believe they knew that. It's, 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 uh, they, they did not know the consequence or the, or, or the atrocity, but they still do that. But, but in general, we have to put in the context. There's certain thing in the context, I think is the way that they cannot get out of the thinking of the box of the situation they, are, they were in. Mm. Uh, so we can judge people, and future people will judge us. Yes. And, and at the moment, coming back to, you talk about the minority and COVID, when we come to sudden something happen, people dying elsewhere in the world, would we let that happen in Australia? Uh, no vaccine? And then once again, the advancement of science, we created vaccine in the shortest of time in terms, instead of 10 or 5 years or 10 years, we created in, in, months, in, in months. 10 months, yeah. 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 <clears throat> so, so, people, so, so, so what we are afraid of is, is, to, is a human ourselves. We, we, yeah. we can destroy the race 
yeah. the human race. Personal ambition, misguided nationalism, right. misguided uh, ideology. Yeah. Mm. People, okay. People scare you. They scare me too. Very good. Thank uh, <laughs> you. Thank you for being here. Um, uh, I should ask you your. Do you, maybe you could give some advice to the, some of the younger people that are watching. Maybe through the lens of I like to think of my greatest regret, and I tell people don't do do this. So let me let me say goodbye by asking what is your perhaps your greatest regret, and what would you tell young people? Okay. Um. I'm I'm not quite sure in the, in the position to give advice, but I can speak from my experience. Enjoy the time, enjoy the um, opportunity that given to you. Make full use of that, and follow your dream. It's maybe too generic, but uh, if if you believe something uh, strong enough and prepare to work hard for it, uh, do it rather than have some regrets in a later time in life and uh, be compassionate. I, I'm, I may be a Buddhist in a sense, but I, as I mentioned, I, I believe, I see Buddhism as a philosophy. Mm. So the most important thing, um, I think, is the compassion towards other people and understanding and put ourselves in their shoes. Mm. What a beautiful message. Uh, thank you for watching the Discernible Interviews. This was TNQ, former uh, labor politician here in Victoria, but more importantly, as we've discovered, a really cool physicist to talk about quantum mechanics. Uh, if you'd like to support our show, the reason why we're here giving this to you for free is because we have a bunch of people supporting us at locals, discernible.locals.com. Because of them, we do this. And uh, thank you, Tian, for being here. I really had a great, I had great fun talking about these things. Best Vietnamese food in Melbourne. Where? Ah, a few of them. <laughs> oh, give me so, a couple. So I advertise for free here. Yeah, yes, yes. It's my, my favorite is Persian food, but then second favorite is Vietnamese food. Okay. Yeah. There are a few things, a uh, few places. Um, one of them uh, is in Camberwell, I, I believe. Maybe Camberwell called QT Kitchen. That sounds expensive. Camberwell. It's like fifty dollars a dish. This is, oh, no, no, this no, is, no, 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 not $50. This less is authentic. Than that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, it, it, this is not authentic in the sense it's a fusion between French and Vietnamese. The French? French? And Vietnamese. You cannot fuse French and Vietnamese. Well, Quilting. You, you heard about banh mi. It's a French oh, really? legacy. Banh mi? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's baguette from French. Oh. The French were in Vietnam for 100 years and they left behind a few things. Good. Buildings you fixed and, it, and yeah. baguette. <laughs> And now you get Vietnamese pork roll. Oh, yes. Oh. Like me now. And, oh. uh, so, so qu quilty? Q for letter Q. Yeah, yeah. And T, letter T. Oh, QT. QT. Not, not, not team QT. <laughs> QT in Camberwell. Where else? Um, Specifically, I want the, you know, the rice paper rolls that are hot. You know, they're steamed once. Yep. I don't know what that's called. I've only had it once in Sydney. Oh, they're called Ban Kuong. Oh. Yep. Where do I get this? Uh, Ban Kung that you can have it anywhere. Um, oh, I've never. You can it. go to Food Spray, uh, or you can have fur soup. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. In in Food Spray or in Richmond. Yeah. Um, there are many places. What uh, about is there good Vietnamese in like Springvale and? What yes, um, in Springvale. You uh, they changed the name now. I forgot. Uh, there's a place called Hoa Trang. 
it's more Chinese Vietnamese. Uh, they have uh, a lot of food there, a lot of dishes there. Um, have you been to the Proud Peacock up near uh, Melbourne? No, I haven't. Is it Vietnamese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Very nice. As I said. There's some um, very upscale Vietnamese restaurant ar around now, um, uh, which I haven't been a bit more to the uh, more local support, local business, so mm. more local, but QT also quite local to where I am. Mm. Um, but, but there's many other places. Um, look up Google and look at the stars. Um, Best cuisine in the world would be Vietnamese, yeah? You uh, think so? Yeah, the Vietnamese is, is, is quite now famous. Uh, there's some dishes like pho, bánh mì, and a few other things. Have you tried Persian? Oh, I have, I have. It's not Turkish, it's a bit more north. Yeah, incredible. I, I, have, I have some with the Afghan people. Oh. Yeah, 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 because I am, uh, I've I, uh, been to some of the Afghan refugee. Uh, oh, get them to cook for you. Yeah. There's a good one called, um, I go to in uh what's it called afghan gallery do you know afghan gallery yeah yeah yeah, yeah famous one it's been yeah. here for 30 years yep it's quite good yeah, yeah it's really good um anyway thank you for joining us thank you for coming here good luck for the rest of your future career well thank you matt for the opportunity and uh, it's um very much uh, enjoyed situation uh, occasion to talk with you yeah thank you <laughs>